going to whisper some things to you now about crunch chocolate bars. Because apparently this whispering thing is a thing that makes you feel things. It's saying something crunchy is coming in the candy wrapper language. Mm. Imagine your tongue hiking up those crispy, rocky ridges. Now, drum roll, please. Wow, that's good. Crunchy munchy chocolate doesn't whisper. Turn up the fun with Crunch. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash SBO. Terms and conditions apply. Hey. Hey. What'd you think? About what? Did, did you get my text? Oh. Hello and welcome back once again to another episode of Did You Get My Text? I'm Pat Oswalt. I'm Meredith Salinger. And uh, we're recording this on Halloween, Sunday the 31st, although you're probably not going to hear this for a couple of weeks because we're banking episodes now. just two weeks. Maybe two weeks. No, literally just, we only have one banked baby. if you're listening to this now, I hope you can look back, cast your mind back two weeks ago. God knows what has happened between Halloween and when you're listening to this, and I hope you had a really fun chill spooky halloween um i love halloween i love getting dressed up for halloween i like cute halloween costumes not scary i like scary and eerie i like shadowy figures at the edge of the woods at dusk love all of it you know we have a, you you had a lot of halloween decorations for our house yes. tons of them oh boy and the majority of them are vintage vintage halloween yeah. stuff like the vintage stuff is super scary to me. Really? Like even a vintage looking pumpkin is spooky. <laughs> well, here's what I have. Because it's all so the desi- here, scary. Here are the design eras that I love. One is early uh, 1910s, 20s, 30s uh, design. There is something so eerie. classic. And yes, spooky. eerie. Love it. I also love It's always it feels like it's like a dead ad it's like a dead kid in the attic to me. It yes. feels like a every yes. every vintage thing feels right. like haunted. Yeah, apparently uh Billy Bob Thornton, uh the actor, director, musician, says that he is one of his big fears is antique furniture. He can't be in a place with antique furniture. It, it creeps him out. Yeah. Um, so I like that. Then I like uh kind of folk art sort of crudely made looking like handmade, homemade, almost Amishy folk art looking Halloween stuff of which I have found a lot on my travels. Also uh, spooky. Really spooky and cool. And then I love, there is a sweet spot for Halloween decorations from I would say America late 50s, early 70s. There's just that very specific era of cutout witches and that now classic uh, orange pumpkin man that you plug in and um, he's he's black and orange and he glows a little light bulb inside of An him. An orange pumpkin man? We have two of them. They're on our front table that you 
plug into the uh, oh. wall and they, they light up and glow. Yeah. Anyway, Patton and Alice de- uh, decorated our entire house yeah. with all these very scary vintage things. And I'm so happy that they love Halloween. And I too love Halloween, but it is so creepy that <laughs> you guys put all these scary um, like ghosts and all vintage. They Love all it. look real. They all look like they were real things. Oh. And you put them all the way up the staircase. And the other night I came down to get a snack <laughs> and I was going down the staircase and I was so scared and I had to like shield my eyes. Oh, for God's from- sakes. I did. There's, it's Halloween. It's I know, it, fun. It, I it's love scary. it. It's spooky. I don't like the spooky. Well, I like the spooky. That's the whole point of Halloween. I hate um, sexy Halloween. I hate... Um, pop culture current event Halloween when someone dresses like something that's currently in the zeitgeist. Hate it. Well, listen, Um, last night. (laughs) Well, I didn't have a costume, so I just threw on whatever we had. Which happened to be. A Ted Lasso thing. But you weren't pretending to be Ted Lasso. You were just a Ted Lasso fan. So you had a Ted Lasso shirt. I was an AFC Richmond fan. I I have some really cool spooky masks and a um, cool like tattered zombie robe, but I realized we're more, we were chaperoning the daughter over to a party and then the hanging out with the daughter. The daughter. And then hanging out with adults, just sitting around a- Adults and their daughters. A fire, yeah. It, yeah, we weren't taking our kids. We took Alice to hang out with her friends at a friend's house and they, uh, we and, played a very chaotic game of celebrity, which that was, okay. Wait, let's just explain to people who don't know what celebrity is. It's. I it, think most people know what it is. Well, anyway, you just put a bunch of names of celebrities into a bowl. Right. Everyone, everyone contributes like ten names, and you know it should be it could be anyone from like Mickey Mouse to Winston Churchill. Yes. And um, SpongeBob or whatever, mm-hmm. and Alice and all her friends put in the names of TikTok people that we've never heard and of, and YouTubers, and YouTubers, and then their own names. Well, like, yeah, they put on their put in their own names as a goof. However, it was really interesting to see the generation gap in real time because uh, they all were putting uh, names like um, Addison Ray and um, um, there's another. I mean, again, I don't even remember these TikTokers' names, but they are apparently have hundreds of millions of followers, and we should know who they are. And then we put in names. But should the, we know who they are? I, I mean, look, I'm just saying, no, if you want to be. Think- in, in current culture. Look, um, we put in the name Madonna and none of these girls knew who Madonna was. Right, so Alice- Could not identify them. So Alice's clue was Lady. She was trying to sing the Beatles song. She was trying Beatles to sing song. Lady Madonna, but um, she just went Lady and then everyone went Gaga. <laughs> right. But now in the early 80s, if we had played Celebrity with our parents, we would have put Madonna's name in the bucket and they wouldn't have known who that was. Because that's just not their world. Right, Um I So- guess. Their worlds are constantly changing. So now there are all of these. Um, I, I think at one point, one of the one of the uh, names was Logan Paul and the adults had it. And one of the adults just went, that douchebag on YouTube. And so went, Logan Paul. And so it was just like immediate. Um, although, although, although I will say I've met Logan Paul and he, a couple of times. He's, He's very, very nice. nice. He's very nice. So I don't know. Um, but I'm just saying in a weird way, that's almost like, it was almost like like your parents in the early '80s would have gone, "Oh, it's that slut on TV that say Madonna, right?" Like that's that's their They're frame good, of reference, right? The way they describe it, they is don't understand from their it. frame right. of reference yeah. as opposed to the kids didn't know who Robert De Niro was. None of them knew who Robert De Niro was. I can't believe didn't it. know it. Although I do remember, this is about ten years ago, 
all of my young nieces and nephews, I referenced nieces and nephews. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. I referenced, Sorry. uh, like 10 years ago, I referenced Jack Nicholson and none of them knew who that was. And, and instead of getting all you kids with your, I, I just thought, Oh, some of them are going to get to watch stuff like five easy pieces and one flew over the cuckoo's nest in Chinatown for the first time. And it's going to be kind of amazing, you know, that they'll get to discover. I love that you love person. watching someone see a movie that you love for the first time mm-hmm. because you are a movie buff and you love to like, you loved when you showed me Casablanca. Yeah. But I'm a movie buff, but I'm not one of those movie buffs. that's like, you've never seen apocalypse now. Like, I don't want to be that person. I, well, I'm that the person's just a dick, honey. Right. But, but <laughs> so, I, I want to be the, the movie buff that's, that is like, introduces Oh, it. you get to see that someday. Well, that's what you're like. Guess and what? also if you never, if you never see it, it doesn't mean that your life is going to be any less the richer because you're going to experience and know things that I'll never know about. Everyone Honey, enriches their lives in their own you way. You know about everything. That's I don't not know true. that you will never not know about something. In fact, the other day we did a podcast with Conan O'Brien, <laughs> and he's an old friend of yours. Yeah. And um, as all of you must have text threads going on with your friends, I have a text thread with my nerd with my um, high school friends. I have mm-hmm. you know everyone has their text threads, and you've got one with all your very nerdy nerdy friends yes. and Conan happens to be one of your nerdy friends. Mm-hmm. And he even said to me the other day on the podcast, he's like, Meredith, I want to ask you a question. <laughs> he's like, how can you hand, how do you, Patton is so smart and has a million references. He's like that. I don't even get, do you get any of his references? And I'm like, literally none of them. They all go over my head. I start to tune out when it gets very right. historical. Right. Like you'll take Boris, Karloff, is that a person? Mm-hmm. Boris, is, is it Karloff or Carlisle? Or, oh my God, Boris know. Karloff. I said it right the first time. Look at yes, I knew it. Yes, exactly. Right. So don't doubt yourself. Okay. Well, anyway, you'll take a guy like that, and you'll be like, "Well, in 1927, was he alive in 1927?" Yes, he was. See, I know it. I know everything. <laughs> <laughs> so, like in 1920, and you'll take it down this rabbit hole into all these different. Um, genres of film and things he's been in with other actors. And then you'll go off in the history and you'll say, Oh, and he was murdered by the, and, and Conan. And I felt so, I felt very seen and okay. When, when Conan too, didn't know some of the things that you were talking about, because you guys are all these very yeah nerdy people we're, who know lots of things, but I'm on an email thread with it's me and him and Larry Karaszewski and Scott Alexander and Leonard Malton. And, um, Frank Santo Padre from Gilbert Gottfried's podcast and Drew Friedman and all these old um, Hollywood showbiz nerds that just love these weird rabbit holes of the C and Z list stars of the 30s and 40s. Forget now, we want it from back then. And right. at one point, Conan, one night we we went off on a thread about the Ritz brothers and it's just piling on top of each other, at, you know, p- posting video and adding stuff and telling stories. And then Conan just was on the email thread, didn't say anything for a long time, and then just said, guys, I'm in Africa right now, and you have me looking up Rich Brothers routines <laughs> on YouTube. Like, I'm I'm sleeping on the veldt. I should be I should be communing with the, I'm in the cradle of civilization. I'm literally where mankind started, and I'm looking up, you know, here, pussy, pussy, from the, you know, 1934 in review, because you guys are talking about the Ritz brothers, because you're all idiots. So, yeah, that kind of thing for me is just- Vindicated is the word I was looking for. I felt vindicated. vindicated that I wasn't the only one who didn't get what you were talking about, and I'm sitting here thinking, oh my God, how do- 
do right. all these people, but it's just you, baby. You have this crazy brain. No, it's, it's well, if you were on this email thread with all of us, you would go, oh no, there's a whole tribe of them. Yeah. It's well, not I- just one. There's a, he's, and, and if anything from that, from that, if, if that email thread is um, Krypton, then I'm the weakest person. Well, then you guys should play thread. celebrity together and you guys should oh. get the little bowl and put those things in. And oh, put that'd be amazing to watch. Laird it. Krager. Like, yeah, the most obscure. But I think you guys would all get it. Oh, we all would. Yeah. Well, that would be fun. Maria Oyospenska. It was fun that a lot of the kids put your name as celebrity and they were like, you. <laughs> yeah. that you. Was, that was fun. I was like, guys, you got to meet bigger celebrities. Kids, you got to get out more. It's fun playing celebrity with um, a group of people that are in this business. And you're like, your boyfriend, your ex-boyfriend, <laughs> yeah. your mom. You dated him. Your mom. Yeah. Your dad. You're picking up your kids from her house later tonight. <laughs> <laughs> so there was that. And then we, um, and then the, then all the kids went in and, and watched, um, I helped them set up the, they wanted to watch Hotel Transylvania 3. And uh, so we were setting it up on the TV and then I watched the first five minutes and I kind of got into it. It was really good. Um, it's like a modern mad monster party, yeah, which the, was my the favorite thing. The voices were amazing. Up. It was Adam Sandler and Catherine Hahn. Oh, and Steve Buscemi and, everyone's and voice Kevin was so James. Good. All, I was like, all oh. the, and Mel Brooks. Mel Brooks plays Adam Sandler's dad in the movie and his voice is fantastic. And it's uh, Getty Tartakovsky, who is just an amazing animator, did Powerpuff Girls, did Samurai Jack, an incredible animator. And so just really gorgeous yeah, it looked amazing. character design. And I was like, I never thought twice about these movies and they're pretty good. They're good. Yeah, there you go. So Patton, we both got a text message this morning. Um, did you get the text that Breck sent of the new little puppy that he oh, gave his yeah. mom? Oh yeah, he gave his mom a puppy. So, our friend bought a puppy for his mom. Yeah, our friend bought a puppy for his mom and the mom had no idea a puppy was coming. Surprise puppy. Surprise puppy. And I wanted to talk about how is that an amazing gift or is that a terrible gift? Because a puppy is like a human being, a puppy you have to take care of. You, it's, it's not just like, here's some flowers. It's, it's a, a creature that's going to change your life. Right. And so he, he went over to her house and he was so excited and he like tricked his parents and he's like, come out, come out in the backyard. Uh, my daughter has a show. She wants to show you. And they're like, what, what, what? They go in the backyard and he's like, here's a puppy. And she, she was like, oh, for me? Like, she seemed so surprised. And then she's like, I can't take, I don't have food. I don't have a, a bed. I don't have a crate. I don't have. <laughs> and so he, she's like, I can't take this puppy tonight. Hang on, did they buy all the supplies she would need to take the puppy in? Well, I'm assuming. I would hope they did. But it, uh, probably. Here's your puppy. Now get in your car. You're going to need to get this, this, <laughs> this. <laughs> Wait, what? But um, first of all, it's the cutest puppy in the world. And then he took the puppy back home and he's taking care of the puppy for a night until right. they set up the mom's house Cute. to uh, be able to take care of the puppy. Right. But um, I would murder you if you came home with another animal for us. Well, I wouldn't do that, A, because our cat, uh, Addison, is very, very particular, and I don't think she's that social. She's um, not social for other animals. For other animals. Uh, so I wouldn't do that to her. And I also would not dump another uh, burden on you. It was funny. I was, I was re-listening to... Um, Eddie Murphy's album, Comedian, the other day, I was driving around and he does this whole long bit about how his dad would get drunk and start screaming at the family. It's my house. If you don't like it, get the fuck out. And that's he, Eddie Murphy. Yeah, that's, yeah. I said Eddie Murphy. Oh, I was I listening didn't hear to that Ed, part. 
You literally didn't hear. I wasn't listening. Four seconds ago when I said I was re-listening to Eddie Murphy's Comedian. I, for some reason, didn't hear Wow. So anyway, um, <laughs> and there's a whole extended riff where, where the dad is yelling at Eddie about, you wanted to, you begged me to get the dog. You don't walk the dog. You don't play with it. You don't pick up the shit. And I was like, oh, this is Meredith and Addison because- Alice begged us for a cat, and uh, Meredith pretty much takes care of it. Alice doesn't play with well, it. Well, I said to doesn't both, pay attention. Well, this is what happened. I, meanwhile, I've had cats. I love cats. Right. They're like the greatest No, it wasn't ever. like we put and a I, burden on And I on grew you, up with yeah. dogs, and I love dogs, right. and I love cats. It has nothing to do with not loving them. Mm-hmm. But when we first got, my, my cats had passed away before we got married. And so when, I, when you and I first got married and we moved in together, I mean, I had gone from being single to having a daughter, to having a husband, to having to take care of a house. Like all of a sudden, yeah. my carefree life became gone. just so much responsibility, like sure. all in one second. And then you and Alice were like, we want a dog, we want a dog. And my I, best friend- I don't had, think I said it like that. I didn't go, well, we you, want a dog. <laughs> My best friend had just gotten a puppy because her daughter was begging her, mom, I want a puppy. I promise you, I'll take care of it. I'll walk it. I'll do this. I'll do that. And we, she's like, no, you won't. You're not going to do it. Yes, mommy. I promise. I promise. I promise. And then of course, two months later, my friend, my friend is like walking the dog, having to feed the dog, having to come home from a, a, we were like hanging out. She goes, I got to go home and walk the dog. Right. Meanwhile, it became her dog. It was a nightmare. She's miserable. And the daughter, everybody's like, oh, mom, I'm tired. I don't want to wake up and walk it. Mom, like literally like the responsibility didn't happen. Yep. So then, right, that was right when you guys were asking for a dog. Mm -hmm. So you said no dog. And I said, no, you guys, as much as you want a dog, you go to school early in the morning, you go off to work constantly, you're flying around. It's going to be my responsibility. I don't want to have to leave where I am at three in the afternoon to go home and walk the dog. I don't, it's on me. I don't want to do that. That's, you're telling me, you want me to have responsibility is basically mm-hmm. what you're saying. And then you and I'd lay in bed and you're like, it's not nice to not get your child an animal. Like, it's not <laughs> nice to do that. You have to get, and I'm like newly a mom and like, oh God, I don't want to not be a good mom and not get my child an animal. Mm-hmm. And you're begging and begging. And I'm like, no, I can't be a dog because it has to be a self-sufficient animal. So a cat. But I was like, I still don't want it. I still don't want to be. Yeah. And she's like, I'll do it. I'll do everything. I'll feed it. I'll scoop the litter. I'll do this. I'll do that. She's at sleepovers on weekends. You're mm. out of town. <laughs> it is 100% my responsibility. The cat now doesn't even play with you guys because I'm the only one who takes care of her. And so she sleeps with me and she like s- taps my face at seven in the morning to feed her because she knows I'm the only one who'll do it. And so now it's my responsibility in addition to all the other responsibilities, and it's annoying. I love the cat more than anything, but, you know, I did say. Yeah, you warned us. Yeah. We didn't listen. No. And so who bears the brunt? (laughs) Me. We'll be right back. No, we're not going to be right back. All right. What else? I don't know. We'll be right back. (laughs) This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com SBO. Terms and conditions apply. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. 
Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. This episode is brought to you by Bi. It's Wonder Water. What makes Bi so great? It's simple. From raspberry lemon lime by Sydney Sweeney to Zambia Bing Cherry and Palavo Pineapple Mango. Bi has antioxidants, electrolytes, and no artificial sweeteners. So for flavorful hydration, choose Bi. It's Wonder Water. Learn more about Bi and discover all of the exotic, bold flavors at drinkbi.com. Okay, we are back. Hey, a couple days ago, uh, we went and got our Pfizer boosters. We got our booster shots for our uh, COVID vaccines. Heck yeah. She did it so fast. Yeah, we just came, went in, boom. Um, uh, I had some, uh, uh, by the way, when I say I had side effects, I was sleepy for a day. Yeah, I was, I was a little sleepy and a little aching. That's it. I was perfectly fine. My yeah. arm hurt a little the next day, a little bit sore. But you, you went to bed at like eight. You were like, "I'm so tired." Yeah. You went to bed at eight o'clock at night, and you woke up at eleven the next morning. Yeah, and, and I just I listened to my body. Hey, I need you to lie down for a little while. And you did. And I did. I remember when I uh, a few years ago I really wrenched my back out, and it was and I couldn't move, and I was having these crazy spasms, and I went to see a acupuncturist, and she did what she could to make me mobile because I had to work. But she said, Alt, and I go, so can I come back? to?" I was trying to reschedule some more appointments. She goes, yes, you can absolutely come back and I can do cupping or acupuncture. But ultimately, the reason your back is spasming and you're in so much pain is because your body is trying to get you to lie still so it can fix what's wrong. That's why it's making everything inflamed. On you. On you. It's like, would you just Lie down for a day and let me fix it. Stop getting up and moving around like an idiot. And I feel like the same thing with um, my body got this booster and went, oh, hey, a lot of new information. Do you mind just lying down so for we a day? Can get while in we, here. Yeah, that's all that needed. And I think, I think you are, because you were organizing 900 things at once, I think your body is more used to constantly organizing things. It was like, yeah, I can do this while you move around. Don't worry about it. Yeah, it's like, shit, I know you have a lot to do. I'm not going to fuck with you. Yeah, but not only that, like, I think you have built up, you you have been lifting so much more in terms of organizing that it's almost like you have a bigger, oh my God, I almost said organization tolerance, but you have a bigger organization tolerance. You you need less energy to organize things than I do. Because your whole life is organizing. Yeah, it's hell. I hate it. I want no, a vacation. <laughs> it's, yes, it's hell. But what I'm saying is, your body was more like, oh yeah, we can handle this. Mm-hmm. This is just new. This is just new um, DNA information. I got this. Don't worry about it. You know, whereas my body was like, wait a minute. But pretty much, lie I, down. Everyone I've ever met who is, uh, well, anyone really in every any profession, but a performer especially, if you are doing a movie. You cannot let yourself get sick. Stage health. You have to be healthy yep. while you're filming a movie. And then as soon as the movie's over and you and you fly home from wherever you were filming, you're just out because yeah. all that. So, and it's, you know, you have a huge show and then the next day you're sick. Um, yep. I've had that many times. The adrenaline hits you and it's like, got to get through the show, but tomorrow you're yeah. not doing anything. Right. But it happens with everybody. I would imagine that would happen with the 
a professor who has to give a huge speech or yes. anyone who's got some major stress in their life, but you have to power through it. Mm -hmm. I think your body is like, we're going to give you this adrenaline. We're going to give you this health and you're going to be amazing and you're going to be your best. And then, then let's trade. Like I gave you all this. Now you have to give me some yeah. rest. You got to lie down. Yeah. You lie down and do nothing. So yeah, I think that's what my, my body. I think that's that why it's very important. People take vacations. I know every other country Germany, yes. all, all these other countries really built build in making their citizens have time to take breaks, you know, whether it's a siesta in the afternoon, whether it's a vacation time, people actually do take their vacations. But in America, it's like, you've got your cell phone, you have to do, you know, people keep sending you emails whenever they feel like it, you have to answer it right away. Right. Americans don't give themselves a break because first of all, the economy is so horrific and people need to make money and you yeah. really can't take a break if you're like, you know, people don't give you time off. They're not giving you paid leave. You have to work, 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 work. And it's, and it's to the detriment of everyone's health and it's terrible. Um, yeah. it, and it's, so, go ahead. Sorry. I, I mean, I didn't take a, I, I don't think I've stopped work for two years. We did take that one little, I took a three day vacation to visit Everinson Valley. I took mm -hmm. a three day vacation with you. But other than that, I haven't actually rested or relax. It's just work, 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 work. Yeah, I think uh, America made a real premium and made it a virtue to be grinding all the time. And there's that, you know, you see those hashtag, no days off, and you know, which- But really for, it's for not- some, For some people, I think that, that that does make them feel more relaxed, but we turn, because, because I think the corporate structure realized, oh, a frightened workforce actually makes us more money. But what they don't see in the long run when you give the workforce time off, you get better quality work well, of and course, thus better, but but they don't want that. Yeah, it's amazing to me. They've, they've done studies where there are companies that actually during the workday give them an hour to actually go for a hike or go for a walk. They're like, this is walk time. Or just go do nothing. And, go do nothing. You don't need but, to be on the clock. But there are, but my friend was at a company where they're like, you get a bonus if you actually take this hour to go for a walk. Oh. And they, because it's lowers their, for it's better for their health insurance. They know mm -hmm. that people's stress levels get lower right, right. and the health of the person is better. And so they don't check out of work as much for whatever reason, being overworked, being overtired, being stressed, getting sick. And the, the productivity increases and, and the company makes more money by giving you yes. more rest. Yeah. But, but America it, doesn't really promote those kind of good vibes or, or those smart moves no. to invest in their people because Although, they don't see it that way. I don't want to sound um, uh, I don't want to sound pessimistic, but it does feel like overall we are reaching some kind of breaking point uh, culturally and society wise in, in terms of mental health. And maybe just like when I had to finally go into you know therapy in my late twenties and thirties for depression, it was because I avoided it, avoided it, avoided it. And sometimes fixing your car means it's got to be. Um, smoke coming out from under the hood while you're stuck on the highway and you're like, oh, I actually got to take care of this. Right. So maybe Until we need to have a massive breakdown. No, or people need to realize that they need to check in consistently with their bodies and their health and take care of it along the way because you can fix little tiny things as you go. But if you wait and wait and wait, your fucking transmission's dead and your car's done and you're done. Right, but right now- the I like that we're using a car analogy it for is. people. But right now, the overall- um, uh, the zeitgeist is you power through it, man. You man up and you power I know, through it. I think it. a lot of people are talking about mental well, health more now and more. There's the, the younger generation is absolutely saying, no guys, that doesn't work. I mean, the whole, 
I don't think people realize how revolutionary what Simone Biles did mm-hmm. uh, at the Olympics, which is, no, I need to, I have a life outside of this. My life cannot be just this competition and, and then, then everything not, else is wrecked. That right. doesn't make sense. I'm right. going to live, be a full person now. And people mm-hmm. couldn't believe mm-hmm. how dare, you know, each generation gets a little healthier than the last. And it seems to the older generation, like it's insanity or laziness, or it's actually just good health. Right. And I love that a lot of schools are talking about mental health. And yes, I love that a lot of schools, I know there's morning assemblies at a lot of schools. And um, I know a bunch of them like do take a, you know, everybody take a deep breath. Okay, close your eyes at the morning assembly. Mm-hmm. And they do that singing bowl thing. There's like a little singing bowl that you like put a wand through and it makes this like peaceful ohm kind of, it's not ohm, yeah. but you know what I mean. Um, and they're paying attention more to these kids. And I think um, they're also pretty aware of like how much homework kids get after school and wanting to make sure that yeah. they're learning a lot in school, but it's not about overloading them after school right. so that they can still have a life. Yeah. I remember back in the, I think it was the late seventies or the eighties, um, Gary Trudeau, who, who drew, um, still draws Doonesbury, um, took a sabbatical and he took this year off and a lot of the older uh, cartoonists, Charles M. Schultz included, and, and they weren't being mean about it, but they were like, in our day, you didn't take, you you delivered that comic strip every day. That's your job, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, obviously they, they they stack them up and have them ready mm-hmm. weeks in advance, but Gary Trudeau was like, I'm not doing the quality of work that I like uh, that that would make me happy, so mm-hmm. I'm going to take some time off. And then later on, and, and uh, later on, Bill Waterson, did the same thing with Calvin and Hobbes and so did Gary Larson with the far side. And those strips are now, you know, perfect. They, they, there weren't, they, they tried to avoid cranking out clinkers just to fill the space. And now um, it's this thing that lasts forever and, and is way better, you right. know, because there, there are some periods, look, I love Charles Schultz was a friggin' genius and the peanut strip is brilliant, but there were a few years or there are storylines that are really, weird and like what well maybe he was heck? in a weird bizarre way maybe it had nothing to do with trying to crank out anything else uh, but i think some of it might have come from exhaustion or just i just gotta fill the panel with who something who knows although i do have a friend who has a podcast it's every week and um every now and then she'll put out a tweet or something that says hey guys oh my god too much on my plate this week sorry yeah. we're not uh having a podcast this week yeah world's not gonna end it's okay I'd rather give you a quality podcast than just to go, well, here's another 45 minutes I'm filling up for <laughs> And you. everyone listening to us just went, a quality podcast? You guys think this is quality? <laughs> um, so, yeah. What did this, how did this conversation begin? I can't even remember. Don't even know who's president anymore. We'll be right back. Did you get our picks? Tell you what we like, what we really, really like. Tell you what you like, what you really, really like. <laughs> okay, we got some picks for you. That means recommendations, recommendations. for things Pat has seen and or heard and or read and or likes. And, uh, you know, I will, too, one day have something to say, but I'm so busy taking care of my cat, my kid, my... Oh, for God's sake. ...this house, my job, my... Okay. Don't blame your life for your lack of culture. Okay. <gasps> How um, dare you? I don't have time to enjoy the things you enjoy. You're like, I watched a movie for two hours today. I yeah, saw five Yeah, because you know why? Because most movies tend to be two hours long. 
Right, but you also give yourself, you also do it. And I don't yeah. have like a give second. Your, then give yourself the time. I don't. And after dinner, it's like, okay, I want to just go upstairs and watch the news for a minute. And then Alice comes in and wants to snuggle and talk and da, da, da. So I get all that time. And then I'm cuddling with Alice till nine o'clock. And then you, and then you come up. I'm like, can I get a freaking minute to just watch a mm-hmm. show? I, I read for like half an hour a day. That's all you need. It's not like I'm saying, oh, you got to read for four hours. I took you on a small vacation and I had like, let's go on a hike. Let's go do this fun thing. Yeah. And you're like, I just want to read. And I was like, I took you on a vacation. I don't want you just sitting and reading. Like, let's do something together. That's a vacation for me. It's just to have time. To I really know, but get for me, that it's book. sitting and watching you reading. Well, you had books with you. Why didn't you read something? I then did because I had to, but I Who thought like, reading? I thought you and I could go for a hike. I did. I planned this beautiful hike for us, and you just wanted to whoa, sit whoa. in front of the fire. You didn't hang on. You didn't plan the hike. You're like, oh, there's. Let's see. There's other things we can do. And then you found that hike. That's and we not did true. Go it's on, on that. Look. Oh my god, I'm gonna murder you we right went now. We on it, Patton. What? I made that whole folder. Yeah. Of all the things we were gonna do, and the botanical garden hike uh-huh. was on that day, which we went on. Right, but don't say I didn't. I like suddenly thought of it that day. It was typed up a week in advance. What are you <laughs> okay. talking about? All right. Um. Sorry. <laughs> wow. Okay, uh, movies. This is not a movie. Uh, well, first off, a movie that I did get to go see was Edgar Wright's Last Night in Soho, whoop, which, whoop. Uh, boy, if sexy you- Sexy looking. A ridiculously sexy nice looking- Nice filming, nice cinematography. Love letter to late 50s, early 60s British- The fashion. Cinema, and yeah, uh, very much uh, Carnaby Street, swing in London, uh, but also- uh, it, it was like his, he, he loves so much stuff. Um, he, he reads and, and watches even more stuff than I do. And, and it feels like he wanted to cram it all, all it into in. it. So it was like Italian giallo films, but then also the early sixties beat films and then zombie films. And, and then, well, yeah, a zombie slash, um, kind of a Roman Polanski repulsion sort of feel to, there was just a lot of, you could, again, me and all the film nerds could literally sit there and just check off that, oh, there's that movie and there's that thing and there's that thing, you know, so you can- And you loved it. And I loved it. So um, if you're a big movie nerd like me, it's, and, and the fact that he um, did a special premiere just at the New Beverly uh, last week so was cool. so perfect because of course, that's the place to show it. Well, of course. Because you're, that room is full of people that are gonna go, oh, that's uh what have you done with Solange? That's a shot from that movie. You know, it's all these little- um, so but yeah, it was visually stunning, oh, definitely. My God in heaven, it was so gorgeous. A movie has been unearthed. I am picking this movie even though I've not seen it. What? There's a George Romero film. George Romero, of course, made Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, Creep Show, um, so many great movies. And so romantic comedies. Uh-huh. Romantic comedies. Mm-hmm. And he made a, a, a vampire film in the early 70s called Martin. It's one of my favorite vampire films, really creepy little film set in Pittsburgh about a lonely kid who thinks he's a vampire and is he a vampire? How old's the kid? He's in his 20s. Mm-hmm. He's really, really young. I uh, thought it was like a six-year-old. No, would've amazing. Would have been, been cute. But but he plays like a, an early version of an incel before they knew oh. what incel means. Like he's just kind of doesn't really fit in with society, doesn't know what to do with and his no life. Like no one like him? No one likes him. And, um, and he imagines that he's a vampire. Wow. And- there was a rumored, when it came out, I think it was like 90 minutes long, but George Romero always said his cut was three and a half hours long. It was in black and white. It was this whole epic. And someone has just found that print. That oh, wow. print has just surfaced. Um, and no so, one knows what's about to happen with it. But 
how are we, are you going to be able to see it? That's what I'm trying to find out. I do a lot of work with the George uh, A. Romero Foundation, which does um, uh, grants and scholarships for young um, film students. So um, this, uh, hopefully, uh, a guy named Kevin Kreiss and the Living Dead Museum located a seldom, if ever seen, black and white 16 millimeter version of Martin. The director's cut of some three and a half hours in length was always Romero's preferred version. May it soon return safely to the custody of Richard Rubenstein and Braddock Associates for digital revitalization and distribution to the world. This was a post by Ronald Gorewood. So uh, I really, really hope uh, this thing gets to surface and we all get to see it, please, because it's one of my favorite George Romero films. I love that you do that for film student for film students and yeah. supporting that. Try to try to help them raise money. Actually, um, just as a side note, the mm -hmm. other day I got an email from. Jeremy Kagan, who is the director of a film I did when I was 14 called The Journey of Natty Gann. Yes. And he's not only a brilliant director, but he also teaches uh, directing at USC Film School. Oh, wow. And he contacted me the other day and he said, um, one of his students is doing a student film and is looking for somebody, a young kid, like 11 years old, mm -hmm. to do a voiceover for the, his, for the student film. Mm -hmm. And he knows I do a lot of voiceover work and he was wondering if I knew anyone. And I know a lot of little kids who do voiceovers and stuff. Yeah. Um, and I was under the impression he wanted a boy's voice, so I called these little boy actors that I knew they couldn't do it. Um, and then I said, but, you know, my daughter, Alice, did a voiceover once. She was really good. Yeah. Um, would the director maybe want to talk to her? And so... And just read her, basically. And just, yeah, just, like, Zoom with her and see if she even has has the, has the what it takes. See if <laughs> the kid's got, got it. it. Kid. Um, so he did. They did a little Zoom, and Alice FaceTimed with him and read the script to him a few times and took notes. I mean, uh, he gave her notes, and she adjusted her performance. And he's like, oh, my God, please do it. So <laughs> it's amazing. So Alice is uh, doing a voiceover for this incredible student film about uh, climate change, and wow. it's all environmental and wonderful. And anyway, so she recorded it the other day, and the guy was like, you know, maybe we should set up a day for rehearsal, and maybe we should, um, you know, save like three hours for her to do it. And I was like, you know, I think I don't think she needs rehearsal. I think you guys could just do it mm -hmm. and, you know, just help her along if she needs help. And so I, I set it up. I organized the whole thing. And I just, like, 45 minutes in or an hour in, I went in just to check to see if it was going well, if he needed anything, if she mm -hmm. needed anything. And I walked in, and I was like, how's it going? Do you guys need anything? And he's like, I think we got it. And I said, <laughs> really? He goes, she's a natural. And I said, Really? He's like, she's amazing. I was like, oh my God. So she's got it. The wow. kids got it. Anyway, it was for a student film and it's always wonderful to support student films. And yes. I, you know, offer up my services as actress for free for student films. I think it's uh, a wonderful thing to do for people. Well, that's interesting that you say that because that segues kind of neatly into uh, the next, my next sort of pick, pseudo pick. Um, Stephen King has a- uh, I'll do it. <laughs> Well, he has a thing called the Dollar Baby Film Club, and any young filmmaker- Who wants to sell their baby for a dollar. Can, can buy the rights to any of his short stories to make as a film for a dollar. Wow. If As long as they just show it for free. They're just like, right, but right. it's a way to, and so there's a whole 
the YouTube channel of Dollar Baby Films. My friend, uh, a friend of mine, Julia, just shot one at the University of Maine in Bangor, where the story takes place. It's this whole universe. How do people? So, what are they? How do they? People see it for free. Um, you, you, you're allowed to post it or enter it into a film festival. Wow. Dollar Baby Film Club. That's amazing. And yeah, because he wants to support young filmmakers. So, um, I have uh, just recently. Our daughter is twelve, and I again grew up in the. Uh, uh, trying their best 70s and 80s parenting where a lot of, um, uh, I got to read and see a lot of stuff I probably shouldn't have seen at so young an age, but whatever. Um, I read most of Stephen King by the time I was 14 or 15 and then read everything that came out since then. Um, I read The Stand when I was 10. Um, probably shouldn't have read it when I was 10, but whatever. Um, so Alice really wants to you know read Stephen King. And when she was a little younger, I read her, Eyes of the Dragon, which was a young adult novel he wrote, a young adult fantasy novel. That was fine. And then I read her um, the short story, Gray Matter, where I took out some of the cursing uh, from his first collection, Night Shift. I think I read that to both of you guys. Gray Matter, where the guy gets the, buys the six pack of beer and there's something wrong with it and he slowly starts turning into this gelatinous monster as he drinks it. And, I, I don't, you didn't read that to me. Well, I read it to her and she loved it. So then she goes, I want to read some Stephen King. So I read... Uh, a few years ago, a book, The Institute, came out, which I read first, and it was very much in the vein of Stranger Things, which our daughter loves. So um, I let her read The Institute, where, again, has a little bit of harsh language, but not, it's about kids her age with psychic powers that are trying to escape a government program trying to control them. Wait, Great. fun fact, uh, the creator of Stranger Things is a man named Sean Levy, um, and it just so happens, here's a fun fact for you, that he played my boyfriend in a movie I did in 1987 called The Kiss. Which we talked about a few episodes ago. Oh, we've already ago. talked about that? Yeah. Oh. Well, well, no, you talked about the plot of the movie, but he, but yes, the guy who created- Stranger Things. Stranger Things, which is a huge uh, homage to Stephen King, the font of Stranger Things. Mm -hmm. That lettering Coo is the lettering Coo on all of Stephen King's yeah. paperbacks. Yeah. It's called the Stephen King font. Love it. Yeah. So- um, so there's that. So now, and now I just gave her a book called The Talisman, which is a book that Stephen King co-wrote with uh, Peter Straub uh, about a 12-year-old traveling across, and then he goes into another dimension. It's very, very cool, and I love the growing up. So now, as my daughter ages into the appropriate age for each one, I can start mapping out which Stephen King books I'm going to start giving her right. to I read. I wasn't thrilled when you told me that you were letting her read Stephen King books because I was like, they're terrifying, they're scary. How can you let our daughter read that? But she loves them. She right. thinks they're great. I know. I just don't want her having bad dreams or anything if it's, like, scary. Well, yeah, but she knows she can come and talk to me about, well, why is it? And also- Yeah, but what, still, imagery, imagery. Yes, imagery. But I'm also, um, we're, uh, we're, she's reading his- memoir on writing in which- Did you he, give it to her? Yeah. You gave it to yeah. her? And oh, then, I'm so happy about that. It, he, Cause he's such a great writer and his, yes. book, on, his book on writing is about- It's about um, how he became a writer, how, um, as, as Harlan Ellison once said, anybody can become a writer. What's hard to do is to stay a writer. Right, and so, actually to write. And actually to write. So <laughs> yeah. he really goes through. And um, after she reads on writing, I'm gonna let her read his memoir, Dance Macabre, which is how he became a horror writer. And he really talks about what what is scary, what doesn't work. And, and it's actually kind of interesting because he grew up in the 50s and he, he puts a neat perspective as to how some of his books came about. And it's really, really interesting. Well, he so, mentions your name in one of his books. What book was that? Um, the Institute. Oh, 
it was the Institute. It's the Institute. Oh. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so there's a, uh, but, but that whole, like, he was such a, and, and he's such a humanistic writer as much as he's writing horror and, and things that go bump in the night, but he also writes a lot of stuff that isn't horror. The next thing I'm going to have her read when she finishes uh, The Talisman is the novella, The Body, which became the, the film St Stand By Stand Me. Stand By Me, yeah. Um, and then I'll probably have her read Salem's Lot. Uh, so like the, there's, again, it's, it's a great way. It, Steve, here, I'll end on this. This is a really interesting story that Stephen King tells in his first memoir. Um, he had a friend who was, was very afraid of, he, he says kids use horror movies and scary stuff to work out their fears of much bigger things that they can't exactly. quite put into perspective. Exactly. So it's easier to deal with Frankenstein walking around yes. screaming than, than to deal with a real psychological. Than to deal with actually something yes. for real. And, and that's how they start to build. So he had a friend and he goes, and kids will always find something to be afraid of mm -hmm. if you don't give them like a pop culture thing mm -hmm. to like work their fears on. And uh, to wit, um, he had a friend who did not let his kids watch scary movies, didn't let him read scary, you know, was, I don't want to warp this kid's brain, you know. Um, and the father was a huge baseball fan and he would put the kid to bed at night and okay. And then the kid would have nightmares about this monster that he was really, really afraid of. I would, I would overhear my dad talking about this monster. And dad was like, I never talk about horror stuff around this kid. And then the mom was like, what is the monster that you're so scared of? He goes, it's this, daddy always talks about it. It's called the twilight double header. What is the twilight double header? Oh no. And, and then the, so. He thought it was a monster with two heads. He thought it was heads. a monster. And he's like, no, he watching two baseball games, but. Oh. Kids will fill in the blanks of their fears right. unless you give them a thing to fill that in and go, see, it's just, you know. I, I just want to say something funny. I used to babysit these three little boys that were the cutest boys in the world. Mm -hmm. And it was around Halloween time and they mm -hmm. wanted to be, one of them wanted to be Spider-Man. And we were talking about how, uh, how did he become Spider-Man? He was a regular boy. And I said, oh, he got bit by this spider. Uh, it was like a toxic spider. And they're like, mm -hmm. what's toxic? I'm like, you know, like toxic waste, but they're little kids. And I was like, they're like, what's toxic waste? I was like, it's just, you know, just like green glowing goo that came out of a factory that's toxic. They're just like five years old. I didn't know how right, to explain right, toxic right. waste. Yeah. And I said, and you know, if, if it's something's toxic, it just makes you, it, you know, it, if you eat it or something, it might make you not like 100% normal. Like maybe you'll grow another thing, like some frogs. <laughs> if they get toxic, they right. might grow an extra leg. And and then we talked about Spider-Man and Batman and everybody. And um, and then the next day, the mom called me and she's like, what did you say about toxic waste? And I was like, I just was trying to explain what it is. She's like, they had bad dreams all night that they grew two heads. Oh, God. And I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. It felt terrible. But like, yeah. they asked, what are you supposed to say? They, toxic waste. And, and again, give them... Give them fun versions of the stuff to watch, but I mean, obviously don't let your little kids watch The Exorcist when they're nine years old. Right. But when they're yeah, when they're a little older, whatever. You slowly there's a anyway. Um, our, our daughter is reading Stephen King now, and I know exactly how to uh, move her into that world. So those are my picks: a movie that I'm waiting to see, and then I'm also waiting to see how my daughter will react to certain Stephen King novels. I love it. Um, I'm very excited. No music picks this week. No, no music picks this week because I, I'm just, I'm driving around with Alice and she's still just listening to Bleached constantly. It's all I'm doing is listening to Bleached. Um, I'm so I, happy. Let's do a throwback uh, recommendation. You guys, don't don't sleep on Jerry Rafferty. 
That's oh, not hey, like it. nothing wrong with Jerry Rafferty. No. Not only Jerry Rafferty, the stuff he did with Steel His Wheel before he went solo. Love All it. All great stuff. Baker Street. Ba- ba- right Baker down St- the line. Baker Street. Uh, fun fact, right down the line is uh, Patton and my. Is, is that proper English? My and Patton and my. my and, I don't. Oh, favorite my God. Song. I don't it's know. It's my favorite song. It's Patton and my. It's our song. It's the first song we danced to, danced to at our wedding. Yeah. And Michael Penn and Amy Mann sung it at our wedding. Yeah. It was beautiful. Sung it, sang it, sung it. Sang, sung. Oh, dear God. Oh, wow. I we used- just went down a grammar wormhole. Um, thanks for tuning in. You guys, we love when you listen to our podcast. <laughs> it makes us happy. We're going to take the next eight weeks off. We don't <laughs> want the quality to drop. Um, have a great week, guys. We'll talk to you next Tuesday. Bye. This podcast is a production of Meredith Salinger and Patton Oswalt. In association with Starburns Audio. Executive producers are Cliff Dorfman and Jason Smith. And if you have questions for us, send them to... Hey, did you get my text? At gmail.com. And don't forget, subscribe to this podcast. It's free and it helps us get to keep making the show. Starburns Audio, a podcast. <clears throat> a podcast network.